Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hey, welcome everyone. If this is your first time in joining us, then you join us on week three of a four-week series called Into the Wilderness. Hey, if you've missed on any of the weeks so far, you can catch up online at forgechurch.com. But just as a quick way of a recap, we can find ourselves at some point in our lives lost in the wilderness and in an environment of scarcity or hostility or uncertainty. And whilst for me and for you, that wilderness is unlikely to be a physical wilderness, a desert or a jungle, all of us will be exposed to times where we feel lost or not sure where to go next, where it feels like a matter of survival. And so whether it's relational or mental or spiritual or financial, we find ourselves in places of scarcity or hostility and uncertainty all the time. And whilst those times in our story might feel at odds with what we would expect to see in God's story, I mean, if God is real and he loves me, how can I find myself in places like this? In week one, we discovered that the wilderness is actually the backdrop to the partnership between God and people. And that when God leads you through the wilderness, you don't come out the same. And so in week one, if you remember, we said that the wilderness does not have to be the deviation uh, of your life or your story, but can become an essential part of the journey. And then last week, Steve came and told us that it's in the wilderness that we can hear the whisper of God's voice. Now, the reason I want to recap all of that is because it's so important for where we're going to go today. Uh, Not just because I want to remind you, but because throughout this whole series, the big question that you are going to ask if you are someone who lives in the real world will be this. Why doesn't God just take us out of the wilderness altogether? Why is it that it's the wilderness where we can hear God's voice? Why is it that it's in the wilderness that it can become an essential part of our journey? Why can't God just do all of those things in an environment of comfort? Well, when we do that, we spoke about this in week one, we risk trivializing God's story uh, and his history and the realities of the brokenness of the world to something that can only speak to us in a perfect, idealistic, everyone's perfect Christian world. When in reality, the Bible tells a far more real and compelling story, a story that can speak directly into our story, where it understands and speaks profoundly into how none of us are perfect. In fact, at the very beginning, uh, with some of the oldest written poetry that we have on the planet, it ultimately says at its very heart, the world is a broken place and not how God intended it to be. And the rest of the story through a multitude of authors and thousands of years, the Bible tells as a story which shows how God, through his sacrifice and through his Holy Spirit, partners with people to put a broken world back together. And the backdrop of that is not the comfort away from the world's hurt, but in the places of scarcity, in the places of hostility and uncertainty in which he wants to heal. So today, the big thing that I want us to remember is this. 
It's in the places where we are in the most need, where we can experience God the most. Let me say that again. It's in the places where we're in the most need, where we can experience God the most. But before we get into that, uh, let me ask you a question. And I want to apologize in advance if this brings back any unhappy memories, but let me ask you this. Have you ever had a near-death experience? I have. Uh, a number of years ago now, I found myself on holiday with some friends at a really beautiful beach surrounded by these stunning cliffs. Uh, we'd been there before because this particular beach we knew was just great for jumping off some of these really high cliffs into the sea, uh, which we could then sort of swim back around the cliffs to the shore. I mean, the adrenaline in the freefall was just so cool. Uh, even though the sea was plenty deep enough, it just took ages to psych yourself up to make the jump. And some of you will just think that just sounds like the worst thing in the world, but we really enjoyed it. It was just so much fun. Anyway, on this occasion, we got to the beach uh, and we hadn't been there for a little while. So I decided that I would swim around to the front of the cliff face uh, to make sure that nothing had kind of collapsed or fallen into the sea uh, and that it was still as deep as we remembered it being. And so while some of my friends made their way up to the cliff, I started to swim out. And I remember after about two minutes, I remember thinking, I can't remember it taking this long to get to the front of the cliff face. And I immediately, after thinking that, remember just thinking, I'm sure the waves weren't as big as this last time I was here. Uh, you see, because the shoreline and the rocks kind of went out for a long way, I was completely naive to how much more of a tide there was. And in deciding to swim back, I realized that I was just completely out of control, that nothing I was doing was making any kind of difference. I wasn't getting anywhere. I was like a bug in the ocean, just at the mercy of the waves. I mean, I couldn't swim in. I tried to swim towards the cliff and, and I couldn't do that. And I was left with no option but, but just to shout to the shoreline for help. And at this moment, I had two realizations. The first was this, that sometimes it's only when you find yourself shouting for help that you realize the severity of the situation. Like beforehand, everything was just in my head, but as soon as I shouted out, as much as anything, it's just an admission that I couldn't, uh, I wasn't in control anymore. The second thing that I realized uh, was that up until that moment I'd kind of relatively been unaware of was that this was a nudist beach and that the last thing that I was going to see on this earth was a lot of very confident sunbathers. And so as I was trying to tread water, knowing that no one was able to come out to help me, that I was completely helpless, it turned out that one of these very confident sunbathers was local to the area and he started to point in the direction, not of the cliff, nor in the direction back to shore, but in the other direction into seemingly completely open water. And so with what was literally my final breaths and ounces of strength, I did what seemed just kind of ridiculous, but as like kind of a final shot. And I decided to swim in the way that was completely unknown to me. And it turns out that there was a reef under the water that you would only know about if you were local to the area. I was able to stand there and kind of just catch my breath just for long enough before managing to pull myself back into the beach where I thanked the man in all of his glory and went up to tell my friends that the tide just wasn't safe to jump that day. You know, when you find yourself somewhere that you shouldn't be and you don't know how to get out, the thing of most value in that moment is often direction. 
Have you ever been in a place where you have just felt lost or helpless, like a bug in the ocean, no way to return or get back? Whether it's through poor luck or poor decisions, you find yourself in a place where it just feels like there's no way home. Listen, something you need to know is that when you find yourself in that place, in the place of most need, that is where you can experience God the most. And if that seems too much, just remember back in week one, the backdrop to the story of God's relationship with people is often the wilderness. And whilst God doesn't always cause the wilderness, he always offers to lead us through it. And when he does, we don't come out the same. He invites you to come close. You see, when we find ourselves somewhere we shouldn't be, uh, and we don't know how we get there. The thing of most value in that moment is often direction. God is not a distant, far away, deal with it yourself, you caused it, you work it out kind of God. He's no God who just stands at the corner and points vaguely in the direction to where you should be, like he has somewhere else to be. God wants to bring us direction in the midst of our lostness and brokenness and scarcity and hostility so that we can grow closer and bring others closer along the way too. And perhaps you're a little bit skeptical about that, and that's okay. But you can find this in perhaps one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. In fact, I am going to start reading this, and even if you haven't really been in and around church before, you'll probably recognize some of it. It's that famous. But if this is your first time hearing it, you really don't need to worry. Because whilst this is up there with being one of the most famous Bible verses, uh, and it absolutely is, it's also absolutely one of the most misunderstood. Uh, the chapter is a song written by David, who we looked at in week one. Uh, David, you'll know from beating Goliath and being one of Israel's most famous kings. Uh, David, whose story you can find in the book called Samuel, who spent a whole bunch of his years out in the wilderness. He wrote this. Check it out. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Chances are that you recognize some of that verse. Now, you might hear that and think, where on earth is the wilderness? In fact, that sounds pretty idealistic to me right now uh, when I'm lined up against the situation that I find myself in. Now, that sounds like one of those bits of the Bible that, that actually really doesn't translate so well with the realities of my life uh, and would look better as a friendly fridge magnet. Uh, perhaps that psalm uh, brings up an image in your imagination a little bit like this one. Uh, you mean you have like the green, lush, green pasture and, and the flowing river and the soft blue sky and the bushy trees. It looks kind of nice. Listen, if you think that, you have this song all wrong. Uh, you see, if you were a shepherd, which David was in his youth, you are going to spend a whole bunch of your life in the wilderness. Because that is where sheep were kept. 
In fact, when it comes to the wilderness, one of the only things uh, you're going to find there are sheep and shepherds. And because of that, they become one of the most dominant metaphors uh, whenever we find uh, these large parts of God's story where people are found walking in the wilderness. Even today in these regions, that's where sheep are kept. Uh, Lush, fertile soil like the ones in that image are so scarce you definitely don't keep sheep there. Uh, This is the kind of land in which you spend your life if you are a sheep in ancient Israel. Check this out. This is the kind of place in which David is singing about. Uh, The green pastures he refers to don't look like the fields here in rural Suffolk where I live. Uh, as much as they do like this image. You see, the rainfall that comes, if you're lucky, maybe just a couple of months in the year, kind of congregates and saves itself around rocks. And you get these little tufts of grass that you can see on the hillside where the sun sets, when it just sets at just the right level. Uh, The still waters are waters that are still because they're hidden puddles in rare parts of shade that aren't big enough to flow. Found in deep valleys that even today people get lost in if they don't know where they're going. David knew this. He was a shepherd. And so a whole bunch of these times throughout the stories in the Bible where God is guiding people through the harsh wilderness, sheep and shepherd, uh, shepherds are just constant themes. Really because that's all you find in the wilderness. Whether it's Cain in the beginning uh, who wanders the earth, he was a shepherd, or or Abraham who with these vast flocks he spends his time in the wilderness, or Moses uh, when he first escapes Egypt finds finds his wife uh, in the wilderness and she is a shepherd. David, who we've mentioned, uh, as he runs from Saul and finds himself, it says that uh, there was nothing but sheep. And Jesus, who spends a whole bunch of his time in the wilderness, describes himself as the good shepherd and tells stories and metaphors around sheep and shepherds that his followers would have listened to and caused them to think back to this psalm of David. You see, here are two things that you need to know about shepherds. Number one, they lead with their voice. Even now, you can go and find herds of sheep that can be led by their shepherds because they recognize that shepherd's specific call. Now, whilst we have sheepdogs now, these sheep uh, would have been called and told where to go uh, from behind the flock. Uh, when Steve told the story of Elijah running in the wilderness, finding himself on the mountaintop, uh, where he hears the whisper of God's voice, remember why God whispers. It's because it's close. It's because he wants us to recognize his voice like a father whispering to a son personal words of encouragement. It's the quiet of the wilderness where we find ourselves reliant on someone greater, where we find the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, most of us spend our whole lives avoiding the wilderness, but God invites us to live lives which we're willing to walk in the places of need, in the places of scarcity, hostility and uncertainty, because we learn to hear the voice of God and he knows where to take us. We learn that there is a bigger story at play. We learn that about the things that matters to him. That when we walk in the paths that he leads us through, that can bring light into dark places, shepherds lead with their voices. The second thing that you need to know about shepherds is this, that they know where they're going. You see, if you or I were to go out into the physical wilderness, it would not long for us to get lost and for nobody to come after us. Uh, The canyons and the valleys are just like an endless maze, uh, full of dangers. If you go out there uh, now, you can only go with an experienced guide. Uh, And even then, they'll tell you to stay close. 
Uh, and as you do, it doesn't take long for you to find yourself uh, in a place of not knowing where you came from or where you're going. But the shepherd does. The shepherd knows the terrain, knows the ground. The shepherd knows which paths leads to pits and which paths leads to waters. This song is a song of trust. It's a song that says, even whilst I don't know where I am, I trust that you will bring me to a place where there is just enough for today. Let's go through it again now. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's not that I have an abundance uh, and comfort. It's just that I have enough for right now. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Remember that green haze. And he leads me besides quiet waters. The quiet waters that are just so scarce. Uh, they can't move, hence their quietness. But he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Uh, not the waters, not the things that uh, I think sustain me, not all the distractions, not the, the ailments, not the things that I will return to in order to fill the void. But you, God, you refresh my soul, your way, your grace, your peace, you're putting the world back together. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How many of us assume that the rod and the staff of God are there to discipline us, to hit us when we're down, to remind us when we do wrong? Uh-uh. That staff, the staff of a shepherd, is wielded to protect and to guide. That is who leads us through the wilderness. So many of us strive to live lives in a world of abundance where we don't need the miracle, where we don't need to rely on anyone uh, where it's us first and then others, with whatever's left of whatever's left. Where if God answered our prayer, God give us our daily bread, we would be discontent that we haven't got our month's worth. God is calling you to trust when we find ourselves in the land of just enough. Trust that he knows the next steps. Trust that we don't have to compromise on choosing love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. What would it look like for you to trust when you're in the wilderness? 23rd of March, 2020, you will always remember the Prime Minister on TV announcing a national lockdown. That in order to save lives and protect the NHS, we needed to stay at home. The week before, we had moved all of the equipment that we normally use for church outside at the leisure centre at Debenham and set it up in Ben Lasky's garage, not knowing for how long. That was how we were going to meet as church. And for the next 18 months or so, uh, as a team and as a church, it felt a lot like a wilderness. Uh, it'd been a time of scarcity and at times hostility and uncertainty. Uh, each week we would see the numbers in the top left-hand corner of the screen to indicate who was with us. And that was kind of it. It just felt miles away from seeing someone's face, not knowing when we'd be able to return or how we would return and how he would even get there. Uh, there was times, I think it's fair to say for all of us, that faith was hard, church was hard. Uh, we all missed that feeling of being together because I think that's actually how God wires us up. But in the midst of that wilderness, where we had no building, no physical location, no assurance over financial future, uh, when in the space I can remember, in that space I can remember, God really challenging us as a team on who it was that he was calling us to be. Reminding us that when all is stripped away, uh, that we will be known ultimately not for the sound we produce nor the pictures on a screen, uh, but how we love one another. 
And in that time, we saw people come to faith in ways that we probably would have never believed likely at all. Uh, we felt called to invest in an online ministry in a way that we hadn't done before. I mean, even in the last two months, returning to physical gatherings, it's felt like launching a new church more than it has returning to an old one. Uh, we've seen people join who have previously never been part of church before, maybe you're one of them, and others who have moved into the local area. At the beginning of this month, we saw our highest attended physical gathering uh, since returning to physical services. We've seen an extraordinary generosity through the gift day and through our hamper project. And in the midst of the wilderness, through the uncertainty, I genuinely believe that God is leading us to a place of something more. That whilst we can't see is better than we can imagine. And right now we're learning and relearning to keep close to listen to the Father's voice and to refuse to move from the mission and the vision that we believe he's given us of wanting to be a church community that everyone can be part of. What would it look like for you to trust when you're in the wilderness? What would it look like for you to follow the voice of direction even when the environment that you find yourself tells you to panic? What would it look like for you to be generous in the land of scarcity, to show peace in the space of hostility, patience in the land of uncertainty, selflessness in the times where everything within you wants to focus on yourself at the expense of others? Because it's when we do that that we show the world that the wilderness is not the end of the story, but a part of the journey where we can show trust and faith like no other where we can do the most in bringing together a broken world. We're about to sing a song that has become a bit of an anthem for this series. It's called Look Where I'm Standing Now. And it speaks directly into how we can live differently, to stand differently in the wilderness, in the land of scarcity, hostility and uncertainty, in the wilderness. So I invite you to listen to that now, because this is where we're standing now that's all for this week thanks once again for joining us we'd love to keep the conversation going so why not check out forge church uk on facebook twitter or instagram or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content find a next step give financially or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the forge we're looking forward to you joining us next time